Hi, welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Alex Papas, Senior Pastor at Oceans Unite Christian Center. Well, good evening, everybody. Such a sweet presence this evening. Amen. If you don't know what that is, that's what you've been missing your whole life. (laughs) So, um, just want to quickly say one thing before we dive into the message tonight. And um, if we, well, first of all, the um, you group this week, we're starting that series on the first book of John. I'm really excited about it. And um, just want to encourage you, if you're going to be participating in a U-group, there will be participant uh, handouts available, but you'll only be able to get them on Faith Life. So if you're not on Faith Life, you better get on there. And they'll be available. We'll have them uploaded. We actually planned to have them uploaded already, but there was something that needs to be changed. So they'll probably be loaded by hopefully Monday afternoon, the latest Tuesday morning. The leaders will have a handout, and there will be a special handout also for participants. Leaders can print them out as well if you, if you have that ability. If you need to, us to help you print them out, you can. But if you have a device, you can have it on your device, or you can print it out. I'd recommend printing it out because the Bible will be on the one side, and you'll have notes on the other side where you can take notes while I share, and then also afterwards as you discuss the Word in a group. I'm really excited about this. This is something we're going to be implementing this year in the U groups that um, you know, we'll be going through some of the books of the Bible, which I'm super excited about. And I hope you guys are excited about it too. So if you are, <laughs> amen. If you are not in a U group, please join one. It's not too late. Wednesday's about four days away, five, whatever it is, it's coming soon. And we'd love to have you come out and be a part of that. I'm very excited about next week's Holy Spirit Fine Conference. Amen. God has never, ever disappointed us with how he moves during the Holy Spirit Fire Conference every single year. And, um, you know, this message that I'm going to be ministering tonight, you know, it was one of those messages that I really didn't want to minister now, but I feel like I have to. And I think it's because the Lord really spoke to me this week while I was fasting and spoke to me about fasting, the way we fast and all different kinds of things. So I want to dive right into it. I'm going to start by, we all know the story so well, but I want to go just to Scripture to show you something, and then we're going to really dive into some things tonight that I really hope will encourage you. Before I get into anything, I want to say this, and I think this is very important. The church is a place of fellowship, worship, prayer, and equipping. That's what we do here. But the work of the ministry is supposed to be done outside the church. We have missed it. Everybody thinks that the work of the ministry must be done here, and the one who must do it is the pastor. That's crazy. The pastor equips you to do the work of the ministry. Where is the harvest? Outside the church. The fields are outside the church. Here you get equipped. It's like you get your harvesting weapons, tools, whatever you call them, to go out and take the harvest, your baskets. You take them out. You go outside the four walls of the church. It's very, 
So I want you to understand that. That's what we do here. We equip so that we can go out. When God comes here and does something beautiful and shows up and touches people, that's wonderful and that's such an awesome bonus. But really, the place we want him to show up the most is in the schools and in the businesses and in the shopping malls and on the beach and in the movie theater and wherever you go. That's where we want him to show up. Why? Because in this room is probably 90% people who are already saved. Some of you may need some encouraging and stuff like that, so that we do as well. But I want you to understand that the real work gets done outside of this building. And I want you to also realize that, you know, unfortunately today in the church we have a mentality of, you know, I get saved so that God can do a lot for me. I can be blessed. I can have no problems. I can be anointed. I can receive. I can walk in all the stuff, and that's great, and yes, that's true, but I want you to understand that everything Jesus did was for other people. Everything he did was selfless and, with, and completely motivated by love. And the reason why I'm sharing this is because I really believe that if we want to see God do what we all desire in our hearts, at least what we should desire in our hearts, and that is to really see him move powerfully and change possibly even an entire city. How many of you believe that God can change our entire, this entire city? I have a dream. That's my dream. You know, Martin Luther had a dream. My dream is Vero Beach is completely transformed. Amen? And beyond that, that's my dream. If I say, what's your dream? That's my dream. I believe that. I believe that God can do something so radical so powerful that it will impact an entire community. Solomon impacted an entire community where it became so blessed and prosperous that they even would put silver on the streets because there was so much abundance and blessing. God can do that in our lives. It just requires some people who are willing to believe and step out. Is that okay? Now, My message is entitled, The Missing Key to Power. And when I share with you this evening, you're probably going to think to yourself, well, this key isn't missing. Oh, yes, it is. And you'll understand, hopefully, by the time we get to the end of it. And I've said all that I've said because we are supposed to have a burden for the lost, for our neighbors, for, the, for people who have lost their way. We are supposed to have a burden. We are supposed to care. Jesus had that burden. He had a burden for a lost and dying world. You are not lost anymore. But there are many people that are lost and we should have that burden. Amen. Now, in the book of Matthew, chapter number 17, there's a story that we all know so well. And Jesus is busy ministering and they bring him a, a child who is demon-possessed. And his father tells Jesus about how the child will even convulse and throw himself into a fire sometimes. And he says to Jesus, listen, Jesus, I took the child to your disciples, but they couldn't cast the demon out of the child. So I'm bringing him to you. Now I'm paraphrasing. 
And so Jesus cast the demon out of the child immediately. And later on, the disciples come to Jesus because they want to understand why is it that they didn't have that type of authority? Why is it that he had that authority, but they didn't have that authority? And so in Matthew 17, verse 19, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And then he makes this really random statement. He's just told us that faith, if you believe, the mountain will be moved, and it's like really powerful, and we're all excited. And then he says, however, everybody say however. I want you to understand that this, however, will ring for it until the return of the Lord. This, however, is relevant today just as much as it was in the time of Jesus. He says, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. In other words, there are some forces in your life, in our life, in our personal life, in our family life, in our city life and in our nation's life that require more than just normal faith. They require more than just faith the size of a mustard seed. They require prayer and fasting. Two very powerful things. How many of you in this room believe that God still wants to move on the earth right now? That He still wants to touch people? encounter people, turn people from darkness to light. How many of you believe God has promises in His Word that He still has to fulfill and wants to fulfill on the earth right now? Amen. I want you to understand something really important. You play a role, don't get mad at me now, in that happening. You play a role in that happening. And I'll prove that to you this, this evening. You see, in Scripture, we see a story in the book of Ezekiel. And basically, I don't want to get too much into it because I have a lot of content tonight. This, was, this is more of a Sunday-type message, but I need to release it tonight. That's what the Lord wants me to do. So in this story, we see God, and He's busy giving a word through the prophet Ezekiel about what He will do to restore Jerusalem and, and bring back the nation, the nation of Israel and restore the nation of Israel. This promise is a promise that we actually see fulfilled and coming to fruition, already having come to pass in some ways and still coming to pass in others. But what's really interesting is I want you to see what he says. Look at this. Ezekiel 36, one, verse number one. He says, and you, son of man, prophesy to the mountain of Israel. And say, O mountain of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because the enemy has said to you, Ah, the ancient heights have become your possession. Therefore prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord God, because they made, your desolate, made you desolate and swallowed you up on every side, so that you become the possession of the rest of the people, of the nations and you t and you are taken up by the lips of talkers and slanderers by the peoples 
And I want you to see, he, he says this, and he goes on and he shares different things that he will do. If you read the text further, you will see God says, I will do this and I will do that and I'm gonna move like this. And he makes a whole lot of different promises. I think there's more than seven promises that he makes to them about what he's going to do. How many of you see something, there's so much we can talk about here. First of all, we see the prophetic, the power of the prophetic. Him saying, I want you to prophesy, son of man, because this is what I'm about to do on the earth. I'm going to restore the children of Israel. And, he, and then he prophesies and he says what the Lord is going to do. But at the end of it, he says something remarkable. Watch this. Let's go to Ezekiel 36, verse number 7. Ezekiel 36, verse number 7. So he's shared now what he's going to do. And then in verse number 37, he says, Thus says the Lord God, I will also let the house of Israel inquire of me to do this for them. I will also let the house of Israel inquire of me to do this for them. In other words, before he does this, He's going to require the children of Israel to inquire of Him. They are first going to have to come to Him. You see, when God's promises are there, He requires man to respond. In other words, God's promises must provoke a response out of us. If you read Scripture and you see a promise of God, you have to respond by crying out to God, by inquiring of the Lord. In fact, the word inquire there means to seek or to make supplication. That's the Hebrew word. So he's saying, listen, I will also let the house of Israel inquire of me to do this. God already knew that the house of Israel would, would, would inquire of him. So God in his omnipotence, in his all-knowing, knew that he would first, before he does this, get someone on the earth to call out and to speak what he has declared and to pray and to seek him and to, to cry out to him for what he has said he will do on the earth. I want you to know that there is no question in my mind that God works the same way now with you and I. That when God speaks, He requires a response from us for that promise, that word to come to fruition. There must be a response because you must understand without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Without faith, what He has said cannot be achieved because someone must take that word. God knew He was going to do this. But he also raised up people on the earth to do it. So what about us right now? What about us right now? I've shared this with you, but I wanted to come alive tonight. In the book of Acts, in Acts chapter number 2, verse 17, Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost after the Holy Spirit has been poured out on them. And he makes a declaration. He quotes from Scripture and he says this. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall see dreams. 
there is a promise that in the last days, He will pour out His Spirit on all flesh. You see, the problem is, is that some of us don't get excited about that. But for me, that is really exciting. Because what you have seen so far of Him pouring out His Spirit is just a taste of what He's still going to do on the earth. Because there is an anticipation building within the body of Christ. The church is beginning to catch a revelation that God actually wants to still move again. This is a promise. And you must understand that the last days may have begun in the book of Acts, but we are living in those last days right now. We are experiencing those last days right now. But all of a sudden, there is an urgency in the Spirit for somebody to take that promise and begin to speak it, begin to pray for it, begin to declare to the Lord, Lord, this is what you said. Begin to cry out for the lost. Begin to cry out for the broken. Begin to cry out for the hurting. Because if nobody does that, we're not going to see it happen. We'll miss it. We will miss it until the generation takes it. Don't think God didn't know exactly when that would be. He did. Remember, He said about the children of Israel that I also knew that they would inquire of me concerning this thing. I will make them inquire of me. Guess what? When the season is right, and I believe that season is upon us right now, God is about to raise up a people that will inquire about Him concerning that prophecy in the book of Joel and say, Lord, what is it that we have to do? Amen. You see, we all know, most of us will know that this is a direct copy or he's quoting the book of Joel, Joel chapter number two, verse 28. This is what it says. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out, my, pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. It's interesting that there's only one thing that's misquoted, or is it? I don't believe it is misquoted. But there's one thing that he doesn't say. You see, Peter prophesies that in the last days, in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. But Joel prophesies, it shall come to pass afterwards. Afterwards. Now you must understand that God was busy doing something on the earth at that time when that prophecy went out. But that prophecy also refers, referred to them in the book of Acts and refers to us, I believe, right now. Can you say amen? The question is, we have to find out what is the afterwards. What is the afterwards that will cause the Spirit of the Lord to be poured out on all flesh? Do you want to know what that is? I'm so glad you're asking. Well, I'm asking. <laughs> now watch this. That's Joel 2.28. Let's go to Joel 1.14. Joel 1.14. Consecrate. Everyone say Consecrate. A fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God. Now watch, and cry out to the Lord. I want you to see a few things. They are calling for a fast. He's telling the people, listen, 
consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly. In other words, bring the church together. Bring the people of the Lord together. Call a fast, a sacred assembly. I want you to understand there is nothing wrong or unbiblical about a church or a people or nations fasting at the same time. It is biblical. Yes, you can fast on your own, but we can see from this and from many other scriptures that they also called a fast amongst the nation or the people when there is a need. Right now, we have a need in our nation. Our nation is in trouble in so many ways. The only answer to our nation is if the Spirit of the Lord is poured out on the church and it overflows and the work of the ministry goes out into the highways and the byways, into the streets, into the schools, into the businesses. That's the only way. And he again says that there must be a cry. Now, if you go further in the scripture, let's go to Joel 2 verse 15. Joel 2 verse 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people and sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders Gather the children and nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the people, where is their God? There's a few things I want you to see here. Again, we see how he's calling for a sacred assembly. And he says, bring everybody, bring the brides, bring the grooms, bring the children, bring them all together. We have to cry out to God. We have to seek the face of the Lord. And then he makes a, a, he makes a declaration to the leaders, to the elders, to, the, to all the leaders, everyone in leadership. He says, you, there's a higher request from you. There's a higher demand placed on you. You have to weep between the porch and the altar. There's something I require from you. God has called you if you're a leader, if you're a pastor, if you're someone that's called by God, there is a higher demand on you to seek the Lord, to cry out to God because you have to lead the people in this. You have to be the one to lead them in this. And so so we can see clearly that there's an incredible demand placed on the people. Yes, I said it, a demand. There is a demand because you must understand there are a few things in Scripture that the enemy does not want to see. One is the fruition of the promises to Israel. Two, the fruition of the promises to the church. And I want you to know that Satan will stand and fight against those things coming to pass with all of his heart. And all God is saying is, are there a people that are going to rise up? Are there a people that are going to call me at my word, that are going to seek me and cry out to me? Are there a people that will come after me with everything so that I can answer? So if you want to know what the afterwards is, the afterwards is there must be a crying out to God. Let me explain something to you. You see, in the Bible, it tells us in the book of Acts, it tells us that they were all gathered together in one place and they were in unity. Let me tell you something. They were not playing cards. They were not playing cards. After Jesus said, wait, tarry, tarry in Jerusalem. 
Go and wait for me. Wait for my presence to come. That's a promise. They go to Jerusalem. They're in the upper room. And I can tell you right now, without a shadow of a doubt, I have no doubt about it, that they were seeking God. They were crying out to God. They were waiting for God. And the Bible says, listen, for that amount of people, I want you to know something. For that amount of people to be in unity, 120, whatever it was, to be in unity like that, that can only be the Spirit of the Lord. So they're in unity. They're crying out. They're seeking God. And guess what He does? He pours out His Spirit. He fills that place with His presence. The church is birthed in in a prayer meeting of people that are consecrating themselves, seeking God. They don't leave the building. They're waiting. They're tearing. They're crying out to Him, God, will you answer? Will you answer? Jesus has died. He's now gone up to be with the Father. Are you going to answer, Lord? Are you going to send your Spirit? We don't know what to do. Well, no, we're in crisis. People don't believe anymore. And what does God do? He sends His Spirit. His Spirit is poured out. And that's when Peter gets up. But I want you to understand something, that there is an afterwards. There is an afterwards. In other words, if we want to see God do what He says He will do in His Word, and I believe it. I believe it. It's going to require a people that are going to cry out to God that are gonna inquire of Him, that are gonna seek Him. And yes, the catch, not for their own selves. Not for their own blessings. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But their heart will be crying out for their nation, for their people, for the broken, for the lost. That's why in Acts chapter number two, it says, and I will pour out my spirit on all flesh in the last days. But in the book of Joel, it says afterwards. And if you look, it was after that cry out that he makes that declaration. Amen. Now, let's go a little deeper. Are you okay this evening in Vero Beach? Amen. If you go to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 58, if you read, I'm not going to read it. Well, let's read it real quick. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 58. Is that okay? We're just going to go. We're going to just go tonight. Is that all right? If you need to go home early, go home, but we're going to carry on. Isaiah 58, verse number three. I want you to have a look at what God does not accept when we fast. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is a fast when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humbled yourself by going through the motions of penance, bowing your head like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call a fast? Do you really think this will please the Lord? I want you to understand that God, when when we fast, when we seek Him, and we want Him to move, we ask Him to move, we cry out to Him to move, 
if we do that and our hearts aren't right, he's not going to hear us. How many of you in this room, when you fast, when you inquire of the Lord, want him to hear you? Desire for him to answer you, to answer your prayers. Yes, for others, but even for yourself, for the things that you need, breakthrough, desire that you also have. So let's have a look at what does get the Lord's attention. Let's go to verse number six, Isaiah 58, verse number six. No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from, their relative, from relatives who need your help. In other words, if your heart's not right, he's not going to respond. If our motives aren't right, if it isn't to help and to care for and to love those in need, guess what? He's not going to hear us. It's very quiet in Vero Beach this evening. And then he says this, and this is so powerful. So basically, if we do these things, if we fast with the right heart, with the right attitude, verse number eight, then your salvation will come like the dawn. Salvation, breakthrough. And your wounds will heal, will quickly heal. There's healing. Your godliness will lead you forward, breakthrough into the future. And the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. God will protect you and surround you and cover you and hide you. Even your back will be protected. Then you will call on the Lord. And then, you, then you will call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Those are some of the things. Let's go to verse Number nine, let's read verse number nine. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply, remove the heavy yoke of the oppression. Stop pointing the finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild and the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as the rebuilder of the walls and a restorer of homes. I want you to understand when our hearts are right, we see deliverance, we see healing, we see breakthrough, we see restoration, we see building, we see, we see an outpouring, we see everything we need will be, will be the response from heaven. And not only for ourselves, but you can clearly see that it will actually affect everybody around us. I have been in times gone by when I've been involved or seen revival, how people will literally walk into a bank, in the bank line, 
people start weeping because of the presence of God. That's when the Spirit of the Lord is poured out. That's what happens when revival comes. That's what happened when He pours His Spirit out on all flesh. But there must first be a, a burden. There must first be a desperation. Listen, if we want to see, we, we all, we, Lord, we want you to answer. We want you to heal our nation and do all this stuff. That's great. But how many of us are really crying out to Him? How many of us are fasting and seeking Him for breakthrough for our nation? How many of us are really doing that? If we are doing it, we can expect the response from heaven that likes of which we have never seen before. Come on, somebody. In Scripture, there are several examples of when a fast was called and breakthrough came. I'm not going to read them all to you. I'm just going to read you one. Just because I'll read you two. In the book of Esther, Esther 4.16, we all know that the children of Israel are in trouble. And Esther, she declares a fast. Watch this. Go, Esther 4 verse 16, go gather all the Jews who are present in, in, in Shushan and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Wow. And so Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded, commanded him to do. This was a selfless fast. This was a fast for her nation. This was a fast crying out to God for deliverance. This was a fast where she was seeking the Lord's face and she trusted God and she said, listen, I'm prepared to put my life at risk. If she went before the king and he did not approve, she could be put to death. But she cried out to God. She got people to stand in agreement. I'm gonna say that again. Others to fast with, others to stand in agreement. And then when she came before the king, he accepted her. He received her and the people were freed. The people were blessed. Can you say amen? In the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter number nine, verse number two, it says this, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the book, the books of the numbers of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. In other words, what it's saying is that while Daniel was studying the book of Jeremiah, seeking God, he got a revelation that was revealed to him. He understood scripture that 70 years had gone by and that God was about to move or God wanted to move. And what did Daniel do? He didn't go, oh, I see it. It's in the Word. God's going to do it. No. The Bible tells us that what Daniel did in verse number three was, then I set my face towards the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. In other words, he says, listen, I could see that God said, I'm going to set the people free. I'm going to release them after 70 years. He worked it out. It's almost that time. He didn't say, oh, hallelujah. It's already been done. God said it so it's going to happen. No, that's not what he did. What he did was he went on his knees. He began to cry out to God. He began to seek the Lord. How? With prayer and with fasting. Because sometimes to bring something to pass that God wants to do requires something extra. It requires prayer and fasting and an inquiring from the people of God. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah.
Amen. Maybe you've never thought of this, maybe you have. If you study scripture, you'll find out that Jesus goes to be baptized by John. And when he goes to John, he gets baptized. And he comes out of the water. And the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord descended upon him like a dove. And we understand that he had received all authority and all power. Jesus doesn't come out of the water and go with his hair. I'm anointed. I'm ready. No, Jesus goes up the mountain for 40 days and for 40 nights and cries out to God on behalf of the people that he needs to minister to and cries out to the Lord and seeks the Lord's face. He eats nothing, drinks nothing. 40 days he cries out to God and the first character that shows up is the devil. And when the devil shows up, he's already been speaking to the Lord. He's been crying out to God. He's inquired of the Lord and he looks at the devil. The devil challenges him, but he already knows he has the victory because everything that was prophesied was coming to pass. Everything that Jesus knew exactly what was happening, who he was, what had been promised, what would happen. And he knew that the devil wouldn't be able to do it. But you must understand that even Jesus went and fasted. Even Jesus went and fasted. When they asked Jesus about his disciples not fasting, he said, listen, when the bridegroom is taken away, they will fast as well. Fasting is very much for the New Testament church. But fasting is far more than preparing nice meals. Fasting is far more then focusing on what we eat, I want you to receive the blessing that God has for you. I want you to receive it because I believe that all those promises that we saw will take place in our lives. But they will take place in a far greater scale when we set our hearts to cry out to God to fulfill what He said in His word He would do. Concerning our city, concerning your neighbors, your children, concerning our, our, our nation. Yes, I believe God is going to do a global outpouring of His Spirit. The darkness is increasing at a rapid rate. But the Bible tells us that when, that when the light shines in the darkness, the darkness cannot comprehend it. And you must understand, amen. So you must understand something. Not every night in church is just for you. Sometimes you are called here to be provoked to seek Him on behalf of others. Now we have one week left in our Daniel fast. One week left. And if you haven't fasted and you still don't want to, that's absolutely fine. No condemnation. But if you feel the Holy Spirit leading you, we have one week left where we are going to seek God concerning our city, concerning our nation, concerning this church. The Bible tells us that the fire, that, that, that the judgment starts at the house of the Lord. Listen, God will first move here before he moves outside. 
So if we're crying out for him to move in our city, I want you to know everything you desire for him to do in this building, he'll do it. Far greater than what you can possibly imagine because he wants to do the work out there. So before the rain comes, the fire must fall and the fire will fall. Believe me, it will fall. But we have to set our hearts to seek him. And this is very relevant to the church now. That's why I called it the missing key. It's not that we're not fasting. It's that where are our hearts in our fast? And this is not a guilt trip towards you. I'm talking to the church globally. Are we really crying out for our city? Or have we become self-centered Christians? It's all about me. What will God do for me, for my family? And trust me, he wants to bless you. But Jesus says there's no greater love than this, than to lay down your life for your friends. So instead of praying for what God can give you next week, let's pray for what he can do for the lost in our city what he can do for our county commissioners, our mayor, for our first responders in this city, what he can do in our government. God knows we need a shaking up in our government. Can you say amen? But it's going to require a people. It's going to require a people that will do it. And I believe that there are some of you, if not all of you, sitting in this place that desire to see God do this. Remember what I said right in the beginning. The work of the ministry is for outside the church. This is where you get empowered, equipped, imparted to, to go out and do the work of the ministry. But the burden must be stirred up in the spirit. And the battle is not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So before we go out, let's take ground where it counts. If you don't understand that, go read the book of Daniel. Because as soon as Daniel began to pray and seek the Lord... What we know that a a spiritual battle began with angels in the heavenlies. And one of the angels, when they came to Daniel, they even told him, listen, I'm sorry, it took me a bit of time. (laughs) I was busy with the prince of Persia. Are you with me? Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. For more teaching like this and other material, please visit our website at www.oceansunite.com.